What's up, fam? It is your favorite time of the year. It is our NFL Draft Pod joining today. And as always, my co-host and longtime best friend, Abe Granoff. And around this time of the year is our specialty draft analyst. Abe likes to say our very own. Who are you going with these days, Abe? Is he more of a Kuiper uh, or a McShay? He's, he's, our, he's our resident Mel Kuiper. I mean, I can give, okay. him, Mike, I can give him Mike Mayock if he wants. No, 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 I don't think you want that. Mike May. We're not doing that. But Josh Moore is here. He is our draft expert. We'll actually reference back to one of the best calls of last year's draft to this year's draft in a little. But Josh, how are we feeling? This is this is your time of the year. Are you as excited as everyone else? Good. Yeah, I'm feeling great. Um, you know, that week of the draft hits, it finally becomes a little real. So I'm just butterflies all around excited to get started and thank you guys again for having me on for this what is this year three, three or four, four at this point three Jeez. or four i want to say it might be four but i i don't know it might be four i think it's at yeah. least three for sure but yeah uh, it's definitely three but anyways um thank you. what what have your days been like the, the two weeks leading up to the draft you're crunching film you're pu- pushing out mocks what are you what are your days like what hours yeah, are you putting so- in my days are pretty hectic right now. We're in the middle of spring ball over here at Cornell. So, you know, 6 a.m. wake ups, we got practice early mornings, things like that. Then, you know, I got to do my homework here and then got to grind the tape for the NFL draft as well. They don't really pay me to do that here, unfortunately. So, got to put that extra work in, make sure I'm ready for the podcast the whole nine. So, there we go. Man. Well, it's worth it. You, uh, you do, we, the reason we have you on is because you do the work so that Jack and I don't have to. So the draft is three days away. I think this will be coming out draft day. Maybe not. We'll figure that part out. It'll but be I Wednesday start... or Thursday. Okay, That's I want to start. I want to start with a topic that I've seen on the timeline recently. Can, and the before 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 you get into it, I just want to say one thing. I I I, I know you're in your flow there, Abe. So so there's rankings to mock drafts. Do you actually put out an official mock draft, or it's more of like for internal oh. use? Because I like. Are you telling me this couldn't be our thing as you come on every year and we're just trying to find the perfect fucking mock draft? Like, I want you on those rankings. No, yeah, I think my official one is posted on, you know, here through, you know, verbally, uh, but I right. haven't entered into the contest or whatever. I think I do pretty well compared to the the McShays, the Norrises of the world. You know, I know they have a five-year output ranking system, the whole nine. So I think I'd be All right, so you know what we're talking about with the ranking system. We got to – why not? It doesn't cost anything, does it? Just my reputation. Time is money, Jack. Time is money. You know that better than anybody else. But before Jack rudely interrupted me, what I was going to say, and I saw this on my timeline today, and it's kind of the vibe that I've gotten. Maybe that's because I've done no research. But does this draft suck? Yeah, so it seems like the collective take, and I think one of my misses from last year was I said this draft would be generational. That was also a quote <laughs> I might have said. So you know, you hit you, you generationally even... bad. Yeah, wait, generally... you weren't off there. You were you were on. I didn't specify, you know, which generational, <laughs> but uh, you see a bunch of the GMs kind of Brandon Bean in the latter half of the round uh, actively reveal how many first round grades they have on guys this year, and it's an extremely no number. I, I think a couple guys said 16. Brandon Bean said, I don't know, but it's not very good. Um, so I think overall this entire draft is looked at pretty poorly by the rest of the league. There's depth in certain positions, obviously, cornerbacks, tight ends, things like that. But at those premium positions outside of quarterback, really, it's a, it's a tough, tough look. How many first-round grades did you give out? Yeah. Um, see, I, I'm a little tough, so I grade about around, you know, 16, 17. Okay. All right. Like. So not a great draft. That's one thing I saw on the timeline today, as well as I'm obviously seeing a million things leading up to draft week. I shouldn't believe, and, and the audience shouldn't believe, a single thing they read on Twitter this week before. It's all smoke screens, right? Yeah. So, like, my general feeling is you get a good a chunk of information post-combine about that month after. Then you reach the point where everything becomes – just ridiculous, unbelievable, the whole nine. But I think this year it's a little tough to call out that bullshit because everything – sorry, can I curse on here? Uh, everything is uh, everything is just so uh, uncertain and crazy, even from pick two on. So it's a little bit of a unique year in that. So, so is that you confirming that Bryce Young will be the first pick in the draft? Is that – because when it first began, it was Stroud and all the Stroud steam, but now it seems like Bryce is going number one. Yeah, I think I was one of those guys who also thought it would Stroud kind of fits the Frank Reich bill. They even said, uh, well, Josh Josh Norris had a series on underdog with Josh McCown, who was talking about how Stroud 
he related them closely to what Burrow. A plug, which... What a plug. <laughs> no, it was it was a thing. Yeah. True. It's like one of the you know true tidbits you could take out of this whole process. So he comped them to Burrow. Uh, the love was there. He said at the pro day, I think, uh, Shroud's pro day, oh, I can't wait to hoop with you in Charlotte. So everyone thought it was done deal, including myself, it was done deal. And rightfully so, because the guy who is going number one is like 5'8", 180 pounds, like just not, not, you know, that typical quarterback look where guys have, you know, gone number one overall before at that size. But it's just interesting with Frank Reich, who's consistently coached over six foot three quarterbacks for majority of his career, how, no matter how bad they are, when it's included. Uh, it was just interesting to see that uh, they want, were leaning young. I think it's a lot of a, uh, an ownership push maybe uh, more than it Are is. you surprised there's nothing official out there yet? Because the, the Panthers even said, right, that they're not going to – they don't know who they were picking, which you trade for the first pick to not know. Why, I guess the question is why throw smoke screens when you have that pick? I've never understood that. I think this year was a little interesting because they threw the smoke screen because – they thought there was a possibility if they moved down from one uh, to two with Houston, that Houston would take someone else and they'd still be able to get their guy. Uh, gotcha. Houston kind of winning that last game of the season is franchise changing at this point and kind of the whole thing. So I think they, you know, ownership ended up pushing young a little more, maybe uh, even some of the, you know, the front office uh, when the owner, the, sorry, the GM was speaking in the press conference kind of, already talking about how Bryce Young is the quarterback. He said that he didn't even really consult Frank Reich yet at that point. Um, and Bryce Young was already like minus 1,500 or something to be the number one overall pick, which is a little weird. But you know, I guess we ended up with the 5'8 you know, quarterback at some point. So let's talk quarterbacks. And, Jack, I don't know if you're getting this vibe, but I sure am from Josh right now. I am. Sounds like you don't like Bryce Young. It's not that I don't like Bryce Young. I think he's a very interesting prospect. I don't like one percenters, one percentilers, you know, uh, guys who are uh, not have not been seen to succeed in the NFL anymore. So I think the height is something. Who, who are examples of those one percenters that were previously drafted in years? Uh, Baker Mayfield was another short QB. Kyler Murray was a one percentiler, although Kyler Murray is a lot different than Bryce Young because he's so mobile, so much thicker in that build. Bryce Young had to drink, I think, 20 gallons of water to mm-hmm. just weigh two, over 200 at the combine. So I think well, – Is, this, is he in the 1% when he's wearing his Yobel uh, shoes Yobel, or that, yeah. that does that push him up uh, into like top five? With the six-inch heels, I think he can go past <laughs> for you know, six feet tall. But he's not really fooling anyone. So that's something that the Panthers are going to have to work with inside of his game. But it, it's – interesting because that height creates some problems for him where he's a quarterback that understands he's very small. He'll stand very upright in the pocket, try to make himself as tall as possible to make all these throws, things like that. But because he's standing so upright, he loses a lot of velocity on his throws to the sideline, throws deep, things like that. So I think when the competition gets better, the floor gets raised. uh, Everyone, you know, is a freak at the NFL. Uh, How will he adjust to that? How will his arm strength kind of catch up and how will he deal with, avoiding sacks as well uh, behind a non-Alabama offensive line. So I think those are all crazy concerns to have about a number one overall pick you traded three first-rounders for and your number one wide receiver. So I don't purely get it. Um, I would go in a very different direction if I made that drastic move from nine to one, but I understand the kind of the safer pick in Young. My feeling is that whoever it is that goes one, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, they're not really set up for success in that organization. And any type of failure that they may have in the next few years, while you have to wait and see what type of what that failure looks like on the field, might more so be a product of the environment that they're in. How much do you weigh Bryce Young's actual ability with the fact that he may just be going to the Panthers and they're kind of like you said, they traded all this all these assets to go up to first. They traded their their number one wide receiver and now it's like they, the rookie quarterback's got to have something to work with. It's not like he's sitting behind the bench for a year and learning. He's Adam Thielen disrespect? I mean, what's going on here? Booby Miles? I mean, that's a Super Bowl team. Adam Thielen, straight from his mouth. He said that. That's true. No, for sure. Um, I think Bryce Young will probably have the smoothest transition to the NFL of all the prospects. And if you're going to have no weapons around him, 
uh, Young's ability to kind of see the field, manage the pocket, be smart, uh, it's probably your best bet because he will be throwing to the uh, injured DJ Charks of the world, the Adam Thielens of the world, the, the Booby Miles of the world. It's not and Abe, I, I tweeted that. I said it's hilarious how these teams put their young quarterbacks in positions to literally not succeed. Like if I were building a team on a rookie contract, I know you want to build the defense, build the line, and that's part of it, but – why wouldn't you? Put, why wouldn't you give him a safety blanket? Why wouldn't you give him an elite skill position player instead of these older guys? Uh, but I will say, between McCown and Reich, you are installing him at least into you know an offense that people that has had a lot of success. So you could argue they made that investment. Yeah, I think the Panthers are something like the highest paid coaching staff in the league. Obviously, deserved with their experience: Deuce Staley, Frank Reich, McCown, a little less experience, but. If there's any uh, staff you'd want to get the most out of a quarterback, kind of proven, I mean, Frank Reich made Carson Wentz look competent enough to trade him again for a second round pick. So I think that's a good coaching spot to go to. It's unfortunate because in order to even get the the quarterback they wanted, uh, probably pushed by ownership, they had to trade every asset they ever had. They yeah. still have an early second round pick, which I think they'll target either Mingo uh, out of uh, Ole Miss or Darnell Washington, so uh, Frank Wright can run his wham. But uh, just interesting situation for a tough situation for a rookie quarterback to succeed in, for sure. Before we move on, let's just clarify: what the fuck is a wham? Wham? What lock? is a wham? I got to get on the board. It's basically like it's a Once trap. You got a whiteboard behind you. Yeah, you do have a board behind oh, you. That's, don't that's you? actually just a big uh, <laughs> shade. But yeah, it's basically just kind of a trap play where you allow the end to come up field and the tight end is blocking the D tackle across. It's Madden players know it. The Colts ran in a ton with Jack Doyle. It's an effective uh, run play, kind of a change of pace. All right. If the D line are shooting up field trying to rush the passer, it, it helps a ton. So, Josh, we got the vibe that Bryce Young isn't really your guy. You're not a one percenter guy. So, with that being said, yeah, pay you, your taxes, eat the rich. You, you know, are, the whole you thing. are, you are the Tepper family. You are drafting with the Carolina Panthers first overall pick. Who are you taking? Who's your guy? Yeah, um, I think it's a lot easier for me to say because my job is not on the line. All these things, but uh, I think the easy one is Anthony Richardson. I know it's a little difference when you're not in the AFC, but I think scouting for what they are versus what they will be is something that the league is kind of caught up on a little bit. Um, and Anthony Richardson has all the tools, you know, that 10.0 RAS, free 4.440 at 240-plus pounds, six foot four, like all the tools. So if he does figure it out, obviously his ceiling's the highest. So I think if you're making a trade of two-plus first-round picks and your star-wide receiver, shoot for the, shoot for the fences, but... Thank you. Thank you. So Josh is not from the old school because I know you hang with a lot of those old geezers. And I think this is the problem with the NFL is the setup is the setup because, like you said, you're not trying to save your job. But the GM's job should be to win a Super Bowl. But really, the GM's job is to stay employed as long as he can so he can keep cashing those paychecks. When in reality, everyone knows Anthony Richardson is the best prospect with the most upside. And what I saw from, once again, we'll plug him, Josh Norris today, which I, which I found really interesting, was that it's not that Richardson's raw. That's actually not his issue. It's that he's inexperienced. And that would make me 10 times more excited to say, all right, put him in the system, let him learn the game, and use these physical tools. How, how could Richardson not be the first overall pick? It's because the GM, you know, he likes cashing those checks. Oh, yeah. And it's always easier for us to say kind of behind the keyboard stuff. Same thing with fourth down decisions. I think this year, like on the headset during our games, like during crucial fourth down decisions, it is just it's really calming to be like, I'm going to punt it. I'm just going to punt it. I'm not going to like I, and I understand now why people always fall back on the the safer options, the. The more when the lights come on, you can't fold. You got to go. 100%. I agree. All right. All right. So Richardson's your one. We've got four quarterbacks, Bryce, Richardson, CJ Stroud, and Will Levis. Rank those four. Just let's not give them a team. Let's not give them a system. Just who, who would you grade out from one to four? Yeah. So I think I had Anthony Richardson, number one. We talked about it a little bit, but I think – Honestly, his floor might be also the highest. Uh, I think a lot of people have 
uh, accepted this change, but your floor now as a, a rookie quarterback is your mobility, your ability to create, your pocket presence, things like that. And Anthony, so you're not saying his floor to like failure. You're saying like in his rookie season, the worst he's going to be is probably as you know, it won't be as bad as some of these others could be. Because like, yeah, like, like well, couldn't he be a massive bust? Yeah, oh, he could be. I mean, he's a guy who's, you know, completed that 50, a little over 50% of his college career uh, passes. Uh, he's very, very raw as a passer, as everything. But what he does very well is manage the pocket, uh, Very a lot of nuanced things. He's not always looking down, darting his eyes, things like that. It's stuff that Justin Fields does a ton. Um, he's calm in there. He's, he's nuanced like that. He just needs to get the timing, the anticipation, all that stuff down, which comes with reps. And I say that as, you know, he has very limited reps. And the same thing was said about Trey Lance, who had you know less than 500 total passes before being drafted in, the, in his college career. And he never seemed to put it together to the point where the team wants to trade him for scraps. So I, it's not a sure thing, but I think with his mobility, things like that, I think over the term of his, the term of his rookie contract, he has the highest floor of those guys. I would actually argue that a high floor from a rookie quarterback isn't the best thing. When I think high floor, and correct me if this isn't what you're saying about it, I would want my rookie quarterback after the first four years of his contract, either you show me you're the guy or you show me you suck so that I can make a decision whether to sign you or to move on. Because when you find that middle ground area, when you land in that Kirk Cousins area, when you land in that Dak Prescott area, that Kyler Murray area, that's when you put a franchise in purgatory. So a guy with a high floor who's, even if he's not great, He'll probably still be decent, in my opinion, is a nightmare situation for a franchise. That that's more so because you've just seen bad franchises make bad moves. If if Josh is saying he's got the most upside and at worst he's going to be able to convince the Jags to like give I him a contract, I want my quarterback then, to be. I want my quarterback I, to be a thirteen and four guy or a two and fifteen guy. Nothing yeah, in between. Yeah. No. I, I see. I understand that thinking. I'm just because look at Zach like, Wilson. If, now they have Rodgers. If he's if he's not able to become, you know, that pure pocket passer or anything like that, I think you can win games with him and have an effective offense with the QB runs, things like that. I mean, you watch mm-hmm. Justin Fields now, who's not the greatest passer, not not the greatest, you know, pocket presence, but they were able to move the ball somewhat and maybe grind out games because he has that crazy, you know, athleticism where he can take it sixty any play or he can, you know, and I think Richardson allows you to run an offense that you know, you can win with more bad weapons. Similar to, you know, the reason you're asking why the Panthers, you know, couldn't. Uh, Honestly, have- Lamar, that was like Lamar's rookie year. They, they found a way to win games because they would just keep the ball on the ground. All right, so Richardson's one. I think we're actually all in agreement here. Who is two, three, four? That's where things get interesting. So for me, too, it's Bryce Young. And I know that's, you know, contrary to what, you know, the whole thing I went in about him being short, but. The bottom line is if you just take out the height in the equation, yeah, he's the number one overall pick. And he's the number one overall pick anyways at 5'8". He's, he shows this calm poise. Uh, he's one of the smartest you know, guys. Saban says it. A bunch of coaches said he's just He has all of those QB skills. He reminds me very much of a prospect like Joe Burrow, um, where the only thing you're truly worried about is kind of the sack avoidance, maybe a little bit of the noodle arm. But in overall, he can make an offense go and, and does the smart things consistently to get you to a point of winning the game. That was I'm Jack. surprised Jack, you, you didn't, didn't think. You didn't realize this, Jack. What he that, had? That, she stipulated? That, no, no, that noodle arm oh. comment. Josh hates Burrow. I don't. He that's hates not, Burrow. That's you not, have thrown the noodle I, arm comment around about Joe I Burrow didn't, I didn't on know that. numerous I, occasions. Wait, explain that. I'm in for that. Because no, I think Burrow's. No. Yeah. I think Burrow's great. There's nothing. I I just don't. I've seen think. you use the words Joe Burrow and noodle hold arm. On, hold on. We were about to get it out of him. He doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, and he is responsible for a lot of the sacks that are taken in Cincinnati. I'm more upset with the narrative around him that, oh, this is a line, it's all these things, where when he holds the ball for forever and causes a lot of those. I asked, after they beat Buffalo in that playoff game, thanks to the snow, uh, which neutralized the pass rush, I asked everyone who then moved Burrow up in the ranks, I was like, can you actually just tell me what Burrow does better than these other guys? And the answer was always just like, 
Bro, but like, like he went, like, look, he beat out, like, no one could ever quantify what he does well. He, he is very accurate. Like you said, Burrow's great, but I think, you know, those top five quarterbacks outside of Mahomes, it's a constantly moving equation. But what I was going to say, Bryce Young, I'm surprised you didn't think he has the, the highest floor. Uh, I can see that, like, from a traditional mindset. I just think he doesn't offer you that rushing ability that right. uh, Richardson does. He doesn't. He's not 240 pounds. You're not going to want to sneak him on short. You know all these things. And and for someone who's you know just a, again five eight hundred eight pounds, I don't beat it to death. But it's like <laughs> in, it, it matters. Being big, it is fast, crazy. strong matters in in the NFL. Yeah. Like he's given up. He's given up eight inches on Anthony Richardson, and I'm not talking below the waist. I haven't seen that stuff. And like 60 probably. pounds. That Yeah, you've probably given up size in both departments. So, And this is what I – sorry, I remembered what I was going to say. But Bryce Young actually finished his college career, I believe, with exactly zero rushing yards. And I know the you know sacks count for negative in college, things like wow. that. I believe he had you know maybe 250 on scrambles, you know, positive yards. But that's not that much for a, you know, a college quarterback. So – so right, we've got big moment. we've got Richardson one. We've got Bryce Young two. Who do we have three? Wait, before he answers, Abe, do you think he's an S two test guy? I was or, gonna say. Uh, I was gonna say. Is, he, is he a cognitive test guy or is he not a cognitive <laughs> test guy? Yeah. So I care as much about the S two test as I do these guys. You know, MW two kill death. What, what, it, what the <laughs> fuck? It, what the fuck it's is like, an S two test? So essentially, what it it sounds like it is. Now, there's many different versions of the test. Uh, the NFL and people in the NFL are trying to come up with new ways to basically quantify reaction time processing things like that. The Wonderlick was very outdated. Uh, something came out, uh, AIQ recently, which I have a bunch of uh, copies of players from the 33rd team. That one seemed to be pushed to the side, kind of the PlayStation versus Xbox for the S2, which they clearly dominated whatever marketing scheme they had, released it out left and right. Um, they released like one one version of their 10 tests of the S2 scores where Bryce Young scored a 98% on, Shroud scored an 18. I, I don't care. I just, I can't, I don't care. Uh, Bryce Young, like the S2 test has existed for a while. Bryce Young has taken the S2 test every single year since he was a high school uh, you know, senior. He's practiced it. Him scoring a 98 percentile doesn't move me either way. Shroud scoring an 18 percentile doesn't move me either way. I think this is a great kind of, like lesson and confirmation bias where people are just using this random score they don't know anything about to either justify, uh, you know, their love for Levis or their hatred for Stroud and kind of using that as a overall thing. I think S2 is just teams, they're always trying to paint the whole picture. Uh, they're trying to understand these guys' cognitive processing. I think an 18 score would be concerning if I cared what it was. But Is the I S2 test publicly seen, available? It's not publicly available, so it's the only thing they... they but only, we could take the one that Josh has. Which test so, is that? Uh, AIQ. That one's not publicly available either. I only got a couple but copies you have, for the 30, 30, 30. call. So Jack so and I will talk. it's public enough, sure. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, Abe, I'm curious how you feel about this because I'll, I'll give my opinion. I agree. I confirmation bias Bryce scoring in 98 I could not give a shit Levis scoring in the 90th percent I don't care I do care if you are that off base I'm not saying it overwhelms everything if it's you see that on the much tape, of an anomaly it, in the trend I I think it and and it's funny because CJ's uh PR team did a really nice job by getting whoever it was on the McAfee show today talking about he was like I don't want to say who it was but there was one quarterback who took the test he was really tired it was 11 o'clock at night he was in a bad mood it was a pretty funny clip anyways all that context is important but 18 percent no matter how you spin it I I think it's it's part of the equation it doesn't overrun the whole thing for me but abe do you care as much as uh his kill when death I think ratio this, when i think this aqi chat gpt ass test that these quarterbacks are taking <laughs> it, i liken it to like the Jokic and bead shit where i'm like i don't give a fuck what raptor is like just let's watch them play what they're going to do on the next level. But and that's but the point is, what if what if Jokic's defensive metrics were five thousand, you know, iotas they away are. from Embiid? They are Jokic's defensive. We're not going to do Jokic and Embiid right now. But my point is, <laughs> I love it. My point is when when this nerd shit comes into play when we're talking hoops, when we're talking football, 
You know me. I'm an eye test guy, brother. Turn okay. on. What do the players say? What do they say? What every guy that we had on the draft series, we had Mike Morris from Michigan last night. He says, "Listen, I may not have graded out well. I may have tested. Turn on the tape." Watch me play football, not watch me play football drills. Oh, yeah. That's who I am. Maybe I'm a traditionalist. I'm going to keep standing up. I'm going to keep standing up for the numbers, people. But yeah. I respect it. And I think I think there is a middle ground because all these things factor in. These are human beings, after all. It's not yeah. a computer. And that's what people kind of get lost on. Real quick, last thing on the S2. Until they release, like, proven data that high scores translates to good play, it's not worth anything. And the fact that Brock Purdy is being used – as the poster boy for this makes me so <laughs> sick because I don't think he can play either. But that's oh, hard. that's another noodle arm guy that you've thrown around. Oh, well, well, he yeah. is a noodle arm uh, guy. Yeah. Oh. Listen, my point right, is so- the, the S2 test, this is the first year that I've heard about it. And to me, it's just somebody trying to put somebody down so they could elevate their own. It's all a fucking game. That's how I view it. It's all a game. Um, so you have, you didn't say who was three. Is it Stroud or is it Levis? Sorry, yeah, I forgot that's how we even got No, we were talking uh, nerdy. So I have Stroud over Levis. Uh, I think you watch him, he's probably the best three-level passer right now, pure pocket passer the whole nine. Uh, his tape versus Georgia, I mean, it's obviously the highest of the highs, but that is insane. To me, yeah. you know, that shows you can get it done versus the NFL defense is most likely, you know, avoiding pressure the whole nine. He looked amazing in that game. I think uh, a lot of teams may – prefer the Levis, you know, grit, big arm, you know, more raw potential, things like that. But I think Stroud, uh, kind of with his pocket passing, if he lands in the right system, could be a, a great, great player. Do you factor right. in There's whatsoever do you factor in whatsoever the fact of the histor- history of Ohio State quarterbacks? Obviously Fields is looking decent now. Um, but no, he's one... not. That is such a exactly. misconception. But listen, man. you have <laughs> JT Barrett, Cardell Jones, not really fair to say Haskins, rest in peace, because we didn't get to see him play out. Um, and then Justin Fields has been shaky at the start, too. Like, historically, Ohio State quarterbacks haven't been great. Do you care? Do you and do GMs, do anybody care about that at all? Because for me as an Eagles fan, every year I pound the table. I don't really know who's going in the middle of the draft. I can't grade out offensive linemen. If you go to Alabama or you go to Georgia and my team drafts you, I'm going to be happy, plain and simple. So do you care about that or do GMs care about where they go to school and, and that type of stuff? Yeah, I think uh, every prospect is different, you know, that old bullshit. But uh, the, when you're evaluating Ohio State QBs or Alabama QBs, things like that, you need to ask the question, is it them doing this or is it their three, you know, top ten wide receiver picks over the next whatever years doing it? Uh, they have great weapons. Uh, the whole thing is kind of the same thing when I was scouting Mac Jones, you know, the whole time he's like, it's like, is it because he's thrown to Devonta Smith and all these guys, or is it because he's being accurate, good pocket passer, those whole things. I think you can't knock him for it. I think he showed in the Georgia game again, to reference that he kind of elevated his weapons, especially, you know, I know things got a little bit slower when Marvin Harrison Jr. got injured, but he was, he showed he could kind of be an elevator, not just uh, a product of his supporting cast. So I think it's always something to consider, uh, Having those great weapons to kind of you know pick apart defenses with uh, shouldn't be a knock on you as you get to a pro, but it does make a lot of guys you know tape look a little better than it should. All right, so you said Will Levis is your fourth guy there, yes. but 365 days ago you also predicted that Will Levis, even if he's the fourth QB, he would be a top five pick. Abe and I thought you were out of your mind. But it looks like it's going to be close. Do you think he goes in the top five? Are there four QBs taken in the top five? A month ago, I would have said yes. I think one of them is going to fall out. It sounds more as we get closer, it's going to be Stroud. But I'm going to stick to my guns and say Levis will end up being the one who falls a little bit. Then the Texans may try to scoop him up from 12 or a pick later or something like that. But I think – the Colts are the team that's the Levis or Richardson team. I'll talk about that maybe a little later. But I think if they choose Richardson over Levis, then he could slide. But I, the Texans' uh, link is – it's been linked by Lance Erline uh, saying Stroud, uh, Will Anderson, or Tyree Wilson will be the pick. Uh, haven't heard Levis in there. But then you look at the betting lines, and he's gone from whatever, plus <laughs> 2,000 to you know the odds-on favorite for the pick. So a little bit of disconnect between – the local beat writers and the national movement, which was, I think, the same thing they had last year. Uh, a lot of the Jets' local writers were uh, thinking O-line, and then the national guys had uh, Sauce Gardner, CB. 
Same thing with uh, Stingley as well. So, so oh, if yeah. shit goes haywire with the quarterbacks on Thursday night, and one of them falls or whatever, two of them fall, in in the craziest situation possible, I'm talking like Aaron Rodgers sitting in the green room waiting until whatever pick, what is the lowest down in the draft where we will see all these four quarterbacks be off the board? Is it 12? Is it 15? Where's the lowest the, the last guy would drop, you think? I think nightmare scenario for one of these guys is they don't match up with their t- – I think they could fall all the way to 23 in the Vikings. Um I don't know how many teams in the mid, you know, the 10s to 20s will be interested in QB. You know, you got to assume the Patriots had a visit with Will Levis. Uh, I know the Buccaneers have been rumored a little bit. Uh, But other than that, it's not a ton of guys. I mean, I doubt the Lions will be looking, you know, kind of with their second pick. But I think if they do make it past that middle range, and it's kind of similar to what you saw last year. uh, Oh, I just lost the entire page. Similar to what you saw last year. if they don't have a first-round grade on the quarterback, he's probably going to fall and fall hard. Uh, you saw that a little bit with Malik Willis, who at this time, like Monday, was over-under. It was 10.5 for the NFL draft. He went in the yeah. third round. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen with any of these guys. They're obviously a little bigger, better, stronger. But I think 23 is where you could see a quarterback go. I don't believe if those four are gone, though, that the Vikings are even remotely interested in a Hendon Hooker. And I can't believe I had to say his name. But. <laughs> All right, Dave, give us give us your top four rankings. My top four rankings, number one, my boy, Anthony Richardson. Shoot for the stars, and if you miss, well, you'll probably be able to draft a quarterback in four years anyway. That's how I do it. <laughs> uh, my number two, I'm going to go Bryce Young. I'm going to go with the weight situation, even if he does put on a bunch of weight or everything. Is that frame going to build out to the point where his mobility is inhabited? I don't know. We'll find out. Number three, I have C.J. Stroud, solely because Maurer told us that Levis would be top five, and I'm sticking to my guns that he won't. So that's a pride. <laughs> that's a pride thing. So I've got Richardson, Young, Stroud, Levis. Sean okay. Levis. I am. We reacted to a bunch of films, so I've actually been grinding the tape too, which is like four, four four videos of four minute highlight tapes of these guys from last year. So that's my oh, version of film. Uh, things to note one, Anthony Richardson, like you just draft him and you just hope that he's the guy. Cause if he's the guy, then Holy shit, he's definitely the guy you want. Um, I got a little scared off the shroud stuff because like I said, I take it into the equation and an outlier like that I think is real, but his tape, it's like, he looks like a one, like it looked like he would be one of the best pro quarterbacks with that all being said. He was throwing to Marvin Harrison Jr., which, holy shit, he actually might be the best wide receiver I've ever seen in my entire life. Every single one of Stroud's <laughs> throws was to him. So you were talking about, you know, evaluating Ohio State quarterbacks, Bama quarterbacks. The quite opposite is with my third guy, Bryce Young. He was throwing to, you know, for the first time in Bama history, non-first rounders and not a stable of first rounders. And then I like Will Levis. I'm rooting for him. I want to preface with all that. I think he stinks, uh, personally. He's one where, like, I know Richardson didn't have the numbers and the reps at Florida, but Levis, like, he, he didn't put up stats at Kentucky. He didn't, like, do anything in the SEC against those defenses. So, yeah, I think Levis is, is four for me. Is there anything I said that you think is out of line or, or was accurate? Talking to me? No, I'm not talking to oh, you. I want uh, Josh's opinion. Oh, no, no, sorry. I thought you were talking to Abe. That's on me. No, no. I, I Rarely will Jack ask for my opinion. <laughs> That's all a valid concern, and now I'm kind of upset I didn't put Levis higher with you guys having him so low. I think Levis is uh, had pro, uh, you know, like NFL coordinators, things like that, uh, shows the grip. But I, to your point, yeah, he shows a little bit of that Carson Wentz panic pocket presence, uh, couldn't complete a pass in the red zone versus like Miami of Ohio. So there's a lot of concerning things, but if you just isolate that he's got a big arm and his release looks like Aaron Rodgers, shit, man. Five, yeah. five, five, you're, you're so, so – I don't really watch that much tape because I'll never forget uh, a few years ago I did watch tape and I put on Corey Davis's Western Michigan tape um, and I assumed he was going to genuinely be the you got to watch this tape Jack it's the best tape I've ever seen from a granted it's a YouTube video so it's all of his highlights so they're all going to be sick Um, but the way that I like to evaluate or the way that I like to compare prospects and I'm gonna do a rapid fire with you Josh put you on the spot here I'm gonna give you all four quarterbacks 
Perfect. And I want you to give me, if they all hit their ceiling, who their quarterback in the NFL comparison is. Like, who they're most okay. similar to. So we'll start with Anthony Richardson. Yeah, um, easy one, kind of Cam Newton. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the one, if you're going a little farther back, that I fits a little think that fits a little better is Dante Culpepper mm. uh, when he was out of UCF, that big, you know, 250-pound frame, can and arm, but uh, has a lot to figure out. Uh, obviously, Cam Newton went one, but I think that's a good uh, athletic comp. And I feel like I'll, I'll, I'm going to answer Bryce Young for you just because I feel like any time there's a short quarterback in the draft, the the obvious is like, oh, well, he could be Drew Brees. Is that <laughs> is that the case? No, wouldn't he be more Russ? They're both short. No, That's so probably what they said Russ about Russ. Like, Russ has more of a cannon arm, is better yeah. like outside of the pocket. He's definitely more of a breeze. I like to say Burrow, but Burrow's New not alarm. You know, six feet tall. So No, that's not what I meant, but like. I mean, I, I reference him to Burrow in all of the positive ways. I jet, okay. like from the bottom of my heart, I mean, but, but you know, it's, uh, I think that's the best case scenario from, he won't get those comps because he's 5'8", so it's a different ball game. He, he's, mm-hmm. I keep saying 5'8", and he probably is, you know, actually 5'10", or 11, or something like that. Uh, CJ Stroud. Uh, I think Stroud, this is going to, I mean, you're talking about ceilings, but Goff, uh, I think Goff is like a good comp for him. And I think I'm talking the peaks of Goff, you know, I think he's kind of more less mobile, uh, but can make the throws all three levels, you know, is, is good. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever be that elevator, you know? So I think and last, that's but, where not, last but not least, Will Levis and just say Kirk Cousins. <laughs> no, I no, think jo- he gets the Josh well, Allen. We want to do, normal. yeah, if we're going to do high end, I was going to say uh, maybe like Justin Herbert kind of, uh, <laughs> Similar in that, you know, maybe no wonder similar. GMs are creaming their pants but, over this guy. But Herbert had a similar narrative, like when he was coming out. That's where true. We can, yeah, he, he was like, oh, he's big, the arm QB who sucks. And it's like half of them end up, you know, working out, half of them don't for a million different reasons. But the same thing with Herbert, same thing with Josh Allen. So I could see the, you know, hatred towards uh, Levis being overblown a little bit at, to him as a prospect. But oh, there All right, we go. 365 days from now. Give us your give us your hot pick, your hot take. Who's the who's the major riser? So, oof. Uh, for quarterbacks next year, I'm gonna throw out a guess, and one of them is gonna not be as good anymore because I think he might get beat out at Tennessee. But I think Joe Milton from Tennessee, red shirt, it'll be a red shirt sophomore or something like that. Huge cannon arm, athletic, the whole nine. Uh, but then my spicer one I like, I think, is Bo Nix next year. I think mm. Bo Nix at Oregon. Uh, kind of similar to Levis will be like 23 and a half, maybe 24, uh, but could end up being in that conversation. I'm just so happy he didn't say Quinn yours. No. <laughs> no. Wait, why not? <laughs> he just beat out the Arch best prospects of all time. Yeah, exactly. All right. And, and uh, Caleb Williams, I assume no matter what happens next year is, is, is he generational? Like they're saying, so I think he'll end up being on the similar path of Bryce Young, where everyone's like, oh, he's generational. I think we tossed that around a little too leanly. Uh, Caleb Williams is going to end up – I know I kind of beat this to death. I'm picking on the short guys a little bit. He's going to end up uh, measuring in under six feet at the combine most likely. Obviously a little bit of a different frame, a little bit of a better thrower. But to say generational, uh, those to me are usually like the Andrew Lux, the Trevor Lawrences, things like yeah. that. Uh, I think Caleb Williams is going to be a very, very good quarterback prospect. I think three or four teams are actively tanking right now, you know, to get that pick. But maybe the um, Ravens. It, it should it should be interesting. I don't know if he's a sure sure number one overall pick, kind of with how many uh, good, young, strong, you know, athletic quarterbacks there are out in the league. So it'll be interesting after one more year. All right, All right well, you're cool. one for one on your uh, year out take. So we'll come back to this next year right. and see if you can write it again. I want to squeeze as much time out of you as possible. So mm-hmm. I know we only have 15 to 20 minutes before Abe's got a huge playoff game. So we'll we'll spend a little less time on these. But Bijan Robinson, my Texas Longhorns. I'll start with my hot take. Bijan Robinson will not be what everyone else thinks he's going to be. This isn't, yeah. Oh, my God, the reaction there. Uh, Yeah, my hot take is this is in 2008, and I watched a lot of B. John Robinson. He was as good as Reggie Bush, in my opinion, in college. 
where he was best was in his volume. So you give him 20 carries, he'll four, 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 he'll wear you down, and then it's 28 yards. He doesn't have the breakaway speed. Now, where will he be unbelievable at the next level, in my opinion, is in the passing game. So I come from a camp of never, ever, ever, ever draft a running back in the first round, literally under any circumstance. And even with Bijan, Someone was asking me, like, at what point would you? And I started being like, hmm, all right, maybe late. And then I was like, no, it just makes no sense to draft a running back that high. But based off of your reaction, it feels like you may disagree. No, I'm just a little shocked. Your your take on running backs don't matter, uh, like, overrides your Texas Longhorns fan. <laughs> so I also had the – I kind of had the opposite take on Bijan, where I think he's really, really good prospect, like – he should be getting the same hype that Saquon Barkley got For sure. that year. Uh, all like the big difference between him is his broken tackle rates are absurd, crazy, like, and those directly translate to the NFL. So I think he's more like Jonathan Taylor as a runner, willing to go inside the tackles, explode through things like that. But he's more of a Saquon receiver. So I I love him. I think in this week draft class, the big questions GMs will be asking themselves is. Do we have a player with a first-round grade over him? And I think right. once you get to the 10s, maybe even at 8 to Atlanta, teams will start considering that. That's but I think Bijan should be getting hyped. The one big concern would be, you know, over 1,000-plus touches in college. You know, will yeah. that hold up? Yeah, you know. So yeah. so you said Atlanta at 8. What kind? Because it feels like Bijan is kind of the – the biggest question mark, not in terms of talent, but in terms of where he's going to go. Because, like, I feel like, based off what we're hearing about Bijan – had Zeke Elliott not been taken four by Dallas and how that played out, had Saquon Barkley not been taken two from the Giants or whatever he was, Bijan would have been there. He would have been a top five guy because teams haven't learned yet that you don't do that. So what is the range where you see Bijan going? Is it eight to 30? Is it eight to 20? Is it eight to 14? Where do you see that kind of range going? I think his absolute floor and i know this may be a little bold but it's probably 19 to the buccaneers i think the teams that'll probably consider him the most is the buccaneers and then the commanders at pick 16 those are two uh teams with coaching staffs and gms who need to win this year in order to save their jobs um which usually causes people to think a little short-sighted i like that angle Um, i like that but because they need to do that they're going and they don't really have you know, all that great quarterback. So you're going to have to have something that's keeping your offense going, uh, you know, a thread in the backfield to hand it off to 20, 25 times a game. So I think those are the most likely uh, destinations for him. I think, you know, the Bucks, unless there's a tackle on their board, one of the top, you know, four tackles, because they don't have a left tackle, uh, they're going to end up taking B. John around nine. Uh, so can you, can you promise me right now that Bijan won't be taken 10 by the Eagles? Um, can you promise me that? So I was, I was leaning against it, and then Howie gave that whole, oh, you know, he's a playmate. I don't think it's going to happen now. I, I don't know. I think GMs kind of lie through their teeth, and I think Howie. I, I mean, look, if there's, if there were, Jack, a team, I've been, I've been talking about myself. I've been talking myself into if somehow he fell to thirty. I've been talking no, myself he's not, into that. There's no shot. I guarantee he's not falling no, to I thirty. Know. He, He's the NFL GMs have learned, but that sexy carrot dangling in front of their eyes. We're going to get Bijan at 19. Like, there's no way he goes that long. But I could see Philly being like, all right, we went to the Super Bowl. We brought a lot of people back. And it's like a freebie, right? Like, in their head, they could pretty much be like, nah. we're, we already have another first. It, it wouldn't shock me. It, it would I would shock laugh me because, forever. Yeah. It would shock because, me because, because the defense needs to get younger. The defense needs to get younger yeah. at some point. The secondary needs to get younger. Yeah. We've got you guys are Bre- trash. We know. Okay, uh, but what I wanted to say to Josh was that, you know, he's making this statement that Washington doesn't have a back. They have Brian Robinson. That the Bucks don't have a back. They have Rashad White. It's like, yes, Bijan is better than those players. But how much better that those two shitty teams are going to burn a first-round pick on a running back who's even if he's much, much better, like, what what is he worth to their team? A half a win, one win, like if that. I just I can't with the running backs. But 
Running backs aren't the hot topic anymore. We have beaten that dead horse more than you've beaten the short people up on this episode. Our tight ends, the new running backs. I saw a little a little graph, some data, so Abe, shield your eyes. But it looks like drafting tight ends aren't as safe as they might appear and that there's no reason to to take one in the first round. Are you seeing that? Um, me? I assume. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I think the right tight ends are worth it in the first round. And I know that's uh, a little bit, you know, a broad statement, but I think you see the, some of the best tight ends ever were drafted in the second, third round. I think those skew the numbers a little bit. I think adding a tight end to your offense, at least an inline one who can block and run, opens up what you can do offensively to, you know, a crazy degree where, where coordinators and coaches would want that. I think if you look at their success rates, their EPAs, you know, I'll dive into all that stuff. If they're actually adding to the team, I, I doubt it. I think, I think the NFL has a tougher time of projecting these first-round tight ends and how well they'll produce. I think it's not that tight ends don't matter. I think it's we struggle evaluating tight ends as a league. There it is. Okay, I love that. So that's where it's worth it to take a first-round tight end if you knew, but what you're saying is no one, no one really knows. There's no certain. It's kind of the. Well, I think running backs is almost. You take them in the first round. You know you're getting a pretty good running back. I think right. the tight ends. Yeah, in, to your point, maybe should be getting a little more. You know, uh, hate uh, in the first round because it's so much harder to project their projection from uh, college to the NFL because they don't always play in line. They don't always play with their hand, and they're they're not blocking. You know, NFL DNs. So it's definitely a tough transition. And what you'll see is sometimes it takes multiple years for those tight ends to hit. So which is why a lot of teams, instead of drafting tight ends early, what they'll do is sign veteran tight ends who were previously drafted early, the Hayden Hursts of the world, things like that, where you can get, you know, the contribution from them. Yeah, Evan Ingram had a fantastic year. I think that's the same same concept. And to Josh's point, like to Josh's point about that, like we still to this day, like we still think Kyle Pitts could probably be sick at some point. (laughs) <laughs> but he's more of like a receiver, but like nobody really knows. And he was taking what fourth overall. Yeah, but if Marcus Mariota was throwing Jamar Chase balls, it wouldn't go well. So it's tough to evaluate. Yeah, uh, but hey, you know what? Day. No, but at least Atlanta is going to draft Bijan, so they could have more weapons to, for Desmond Ritter to get the ball to. Uh, let's flip to the other side of the ball. Are these not two of the most generation? I, I guess we do use that word a lot. But Will Anderson like couldn't be blocked in his entire college career, a little bit maybe last season. And then Jalen Carter was like the guy, obviously off the field concerns. But it seems like you're going to be able to potentially get a little value on these guys. Are they as good as they were originally pegged to be? Yeah, I think they're both You know, those elite defensive prospects. I think the problem you have now is Jalen Carter has a ton of off the field issues that people are seriously uh, weighing concerning the whole nine. And it's probably going to work out to the point where he falls just close enough for the Eagles to take him. Uh, Do you think it it really could happen with Jalen Carter falling to 10? I think if Jalen Carter gets to pass pick five, the Eagles and Bears will pick up the uh, Eagles and Bears at nine ten will look into it. I think the Eagles are less likely because they only have six picks in the entire draft. They're probably more likely to trade back. The Will Anderson thing, I think Will Anderson is very similar to the, the Kayvon Thibodeau prospect where he blew up as a redshirt sophomore or sophomore, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then his entire junior year, his tape was basically left to be over-scrutinized, over, you know, so it had eyes on him nonstop. And what you saw this year was a little bit frustration from Will Anderson when he wasn't impacting the game. He was false start, false starting. He was going, jumping off sides a ton, uh, causing problems. So. Uh, I think what you saw from him was a little bit of frustration this year that he wasn't having his 20-sack season, but I still think he's one of those elite prospects. And you kind of see him have the same draft process as Thibodeau where he's getting dinged a little now, but I still think he'll end up being you know, a surefire top five pick. Was, was the biggest bullshit smokescreen that have come out in the last two months that several GMs have just full-on taken Jalen Carter off their board? Yeah, that was it. Was like the Raiders have taken Jalen Carter. It's like it was all this ridiculous. Yeah, I was just no, that's just not true. I think even Seattle said like, oh, we're going to have to basically revisit our policy on like off the field issues. He's that good of a defensive prospect. And what happened at the combine with him? So his pro day, he showed up out of shape, overweight, a pro day, whatever terrible. it was. Yeah, 
yeah, pro day looked terrible. And then, you know, and part of that could have been from the drag racing issues where, you know, he ended up causing a crash. So, and then a lot of more stuff came out where people dug into it, where he's got, you know, so many speeding tickets was, you know, insubordinate, all these things. But you're not, uh, you don't have a team making billions of dollars worth of investment yeah. in you. So that's the yeah. only kind of hang up with Jalen Carter is, is he going to work hard? He's kind of got that same uh, pre-draftings on him as Isaiah Wilson, who went uh, late first round to the Titans as an offensive tackle and then uh, was out of the league within like two years. And then now is like a rapper or something like that. I don't know. Check out hey, his don't, check out his don't diss this man's distract. Uh, no, we'll plug his mistake uh, here. <laughs> All right, cool. Before we get to the, you know, the selfish part of the draft pod, we did run back our annual draft series. So I don't know if we we prepared this for you. Uh, we didn't give you the names ahead of time. So we'll really know how much tape. I think I might. I think I might have given them some. I think I might have thrown okay. some names to them. All right. So so the one that dropped today. Yeah, Tyler Scott, wide receiver, Cincy. He he's a guy. He's a guy. Yeah, Colt. Yeah, uh, he's getting a lot of love from uh, pre-draft visit, all this stuff. Uh, he's, you know, electric, one of those smaller guys. And kind of a big thing this year is there's so many small, not just Bryce Young, wide receivers kind of everywhere. So he's one of those guys who's a little bit smaller, but but electric. He reminds me kind of of Tutu Atwell when he came out of Louisville or Isaiah McKenzie, who the Colts signed to a, a low one-year deal. He's just a playmaker, speed guy. You can run him on. You know, jet sweeps, deep stuff. He's really just – he's electric, so it's awesome. Well, if the Colts get him, uh, we've got a little clip of him saying he's pretty much faster than Tyree Kill. So that will be fun for you to, to watch. I mean, if the season. Colts get him, then their entire wide receiver room is just snapback fam between him and Death Pat. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, next up was Lance – yeah, he might be. Lance Boykin. Lance Boykin? Corner from uh, Coastal Carolina. He's oh, your yeah, prototypical he's corner of vibes. Prototypical corner of vibes. Oh, he's he, he thinks oh, he's no, better God. than you, and he knows he's better than you. No, uh, yeah. So he's one of those big corners, you know, like 6'3", 200. Uh, really, you know, quality player. Uh, Coastal's uh, had a bunch of talented guys in their front. Gerard Clark, him, uh, who Gerard Clark took a year off. But uh, I could see him kind of fitting in anywhere. I think he's one of a, a later round guy uh, for sure. But uh, – competent in zone i think that's probably where he projects best although he may uh, disagree with me a little bit there oh he just uh, wants to beat you up hey, he'll oh, drop into a zone but he wants to get physical too he i he the guy was obsessed with 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 press coverage Himself. so yeah, yeah we corners, loved it well, i may have misspoke a little bit but corners who love to tackle play that press man him isaiah witherspoon tyreek stevenson those are my type of guys you know okay. it just helps your defensive scheme a ton all right, the one that I'm up. most excited about is this one. Caleb Murphy, Division II prospect who absolutely tore up Division II at, I want to say, Ferris State. Yeah, oh, yeah. Let, he set the record. So I think they won the national 22 and a half sacks or something. Yeah, he's got rings. He, he made that clear. He's got oh, yeah, maybe so multiple rings. Yeah. Well, yeah, no. So I'm I doing actually a whole study on kind of these FCS and lower players. Um, you basically have to be a very good athlete in order to be even recognized uh, by the NFL uh, end up on their radar. So he's a great athlete, obviously has a lot of bend, things like that. For those guys, it's almost like, how did he end up going to D2? I mean, I mean he could have transferred, things like that. But for him, just kind of with his, he's a little shorter on the length side, uh, his arms are maybe under 33 inches, something like that. But with his bend and ability, I think he uh, projects well as a late round pick as well. Yeah, I think we asked him, because he started D2 and then transferred to a different D2 school. Um, but I'm sure that the NFL teams got, got the answers out of him that they wanted. Uh, the one we rocked last night, Mike Morris. So graded awfully, graded awfully at the comma. You know who he is, Mike Moe. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michigan, Michigan. Oh, sorry, end. Sorry, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. He, he, had a bad combine, but had, you know, he was defensive lineman of the year in the Big Ten. What do you see on, on Mike Mo? So, yeah, uh, bad combines kind of expected for a guy who's, you know, 6'6", 300 pounds with that interior, uh, you know, out, outside flexibility on early downs. I uh, think he can be, you know, that quality four eye. I think that's where he projects best, kind of playing that uh, right inside the tackle position. 
but this is where this is like the ultimate NFL dilemma where it's you try to weigh college production versus you know the athletic ability and I think his college production was good enough to a point in the Big Ten where you play the Iowa offensive line you play the Penn State offense you play a bunch of good offensive lines in that division to where you and Michigan's own in practice every day, you know, to where he's going to be tough, physical, and be able to be, a, you know, have a long career. And All right. last but not last least, guy. the guy that you've watched a shit ton of tape on, the last guy on the list, Penn State's own Sean Clifford. Oh, my guy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, be Clifford. Nice. I mean, no, no, no. I, I, again, like, it's so easy for us to – to throw shade. I'm a six foot tall unathletic kid. My, basically my entire job is to, to pass judgment on kids, athletic abilities. So it's, it's a, it's a weird position I'm in, but I mean, he's gonna, so he's had a ton of interest in the pre-draft process and taking visits everywhere. I think he's uh, viewed as a developmental QB by a lot of the league. I think they're interested in him as an athlete also a little bit as well, kind of, uh, the Tommy Stevens Penn State thing uh, when he was selected in the seventh round. Uh, those Taysom Hill type guys like have a role. I don't think he's you know necessarily a great passer or anything like that. But Wait, Tommy again, Stevens got drafted. Weapon. Tommy Stevens got drafted in the seventh round by the New Orleans Saints to be Taysom Hill 2.0. There's no way he's still there. No, he's in the USFL. He's with like the or XFL with the Brahmas or something like that. Gotcha. Try to keep up. All right. All the so league. so Sean or Hendon Hooker? Who who's better? Uh, Sean, I believe Sean is still under the age of 20, you know, 30 years old, whatever. Yeah. What did Hendon Hooker do to your family? (laughs) Hendon Hooker didn't do anything to my family. I just shout out to his agents. They're doing a great job of pushing him this whole pre-draft process. They got Mike Tannenbaum saying he's the best quarterback in this draft, which I'll have to talk to Mike about. Uh, I think it's a little, little insane, but he's a 25 year old QB, uh, coming off a torn ACL and the Tennessee offense was, it's kind of not gimmicky, but it's, you know, a spread offense. It doesn't really translate that well to the NFL. So maybe I'm just way out there and missing the whole thing. But for a quarterback to take him in the first round, you know, the reason you take him in the first round is to get that 50-year option. Do I really care about a 50-year option on a quarterback who's going to be 30 during that? Like, The funny thing is I – I think if you target, like, he wasn't even that good at 25, that's a real thing. But – and it's the same thing with the NBA guys. It's like at 30, well, if it's his yeah. first, who cares? Like he's he could play from 30 to 38, right? Like Rodgers is it, Brady, you know, there's plenty of older quarterbacks who are just as good. If it's because of his athleticism waiting, like I get it, but I don't think just because of when his second contract is up, I'm necessarily out on him. There's many other reasons. No, I think more being 25, like a lot of these GMs believe in age curves, things like that. It affects your development. How much, how close to you, like how close to your ceiling are you when you're 25? A lot closer than when you're 21 or 20 when Trey Lance. Like Trey Lance is about to enter his third year in the NFL. And he's going to be younger than Hendon Hooker. He's going to be younger than Will Levis. He's going to be younger than all of these. Not saying Trey Lance was a good pick by any means, but the age does matter, you know, when projecting long term. Okay, I'm still holding my Trey Lance stock for the record, but we'll, that's because we'll, he might we'll be close. a Raven in due time. <laughs> no, that that's not why. But uh, we'll finish with the finish with the speed round. Uh, first question is Marvin Harrison Jr. generational? Yeah, def- definition of it, no doubt in my mind. He should okay. be in the conversation for number one next year. Wow. So. All right, he's he's as special as it seems. All right. Uh, now we're going to do our speed picks on where our three teams are going in the first round. Start with your Colts. What do you think? Awesome. Uh, I know a lot of Will Levis buzz, but I'm going to follow, you know, the, the crumbs and go uh, Anthony Richardson. So uh, Chris Ballard loves, you know, traits, ability. He always says bet on the traits, bet on the high-end traits. Uh, I think Anthony Richardson has proved that he has that. Uh, he took a 10 RAS last year in uh, Jelani Woods at tight end. He's always looking for freaks, uniques, things like that. Uh, Jim Irsay's plane's been down in Gainesville a good amount. You know, this is now the, you know, the Colts Twitter. I'm like 20 minutes from Gainesville right now. I couldn't get a trip down here. I had to fly into Orlando. I could have just gotten on Irsay's plane. Got a call, Jim. But I think more when you get into, you know, looking at the specifics, it's Steichen. Uh, Steichen obviously worked with a bunch of quarterbacks, Rivers, but uh, most recently with Jalen Hurts. Then the QB coach, Cam Turner, uh, his two most recent jobs was with the Arizona Cardinals with Kyler Murray. 
and with the Carolina Panthers as the QB coach with Cam Newton. I think those two tend to lead me to believing that Richardson is the guy they prefer. They also sent their highest-ranking scout to his pro day. Um, again, I'm just trying to read between the lines. I don't know if I'm getting bogged down by all the fans and the fandom in me that wants it to be Richardson, but I think that's where the Colts are at right now. I was going to ask if that's what you were doing, but you gave plenty of other information <laughs> that, that I think supplants your point. All right, what about my Ravens? Who are we drafting? So I think the Ravens could go a bunch of different directions. My favorite pick for them uh, is Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami. A little bit of a lesser-known name. Uh, transferred from Georgia, played slot corner for them uh, when they won their one of their national championships. Was a freak. Uh, played outside of Miami when he transferred. Had a great senior bowl. Uh, the Ravens obviously need help at corner. He pro- provides that inside-outside flexibility. He likes to hit. He's physical. Uh, and he's six feet tall. Uh, he's not... Uh, I like to call him, I think he's a bigger version of Mike Hilton, the, the nickel who plays for the, the Bengals. And I think uh, when the Ravens get to their pick, they may be deciding between him or Miles Mur- a corner or Miles Murphy, uh, defensive end, something like that. But I think uh, they need a ton of help at corner. Whoever it is, it's going to somehow be good, which is fucking insane. <laughs> I saw All one right. today where the Ravens were getting Joey Porter Jr., and I'm like, he's going to be sick. That's it, yeah, I mean. I had. So, I mean, I put it in the chat today. It's like uh, the Ravens haven't missed the first round pick since like Brashad Perryman in 2014, and not just misses, like all second contract guys, like real starters. But Eagles get two picks. Yeah, Eagles get two picks. So I'm gonna go. You know, very. Wait, do you think? Do you think we'll use both of those picks? I think you'll definitely trade. Try your best to trade down from number ten. I think that could be for a team trying to jump Tennessee for a tackle, maybe in that range. But I think with six picks in the draft, knowing the way Howie wants to work, he's going to want to move down. Uh, if he's forced to sit there and make that pick, I'd lean Luca Van Ness just because uh, Luke Van Ness, freak athlete, didn't even start at Iowa. That's kind of the point we've reached in the NFL where you don't even need to be a starter to be a top 10 pick. He's got all the tools, all the size, ability, and I think Howie's going to default to the trenches again and try to rebuild Fine those up. Me. And I think if Carter is not available or not available on the drop, then Van Ness is going to be. I hope they team. draft this, this Van Ness guy. Cause every time there's a six man drafted in in the NBA draft, Abe loves to rip. Like, how could you draft someone who couldn't I even make the starting line? To say. Right. Like yeah. <laughs> that's going to be gold. <laughs> but my thing with Howie is like, I, I don't know these guys, their bend, their wham, their IQ, their S2, their, <laughs> their Siri, whatever the fuck you want to call it. If you draft an offensive or defensive line, I'm cool with it. That's, <laughs> I think that's how, how I do it. How he's kind of earned, or maybe not on wide receivers, things like that, but he's earned the benefit of the doubt at this point. And talk to me about at 30, because I saw a mock draft today with us taking Zay Flowers, who's gotten a lot of hype. Recently, some smokes come out about Jackson Smith, uh, Nestle, whatever his last name is. I, I don't see it using, mm. I don't see us taking JSN, I don't think Zay Flowers falls that far. What do the Eagles do at 30? Yeah, I think uh, corner is still very much in play. Uh, with the two contracts they handed out, uh, Slays was kind of a bunch of fake money for him, kind of just make him happy. Uh, Bradbury is also getting older, things like that. So I think in this deep CB class, the Eagles are just going to play the numbers, uh, let best available fall to them, and could be you know, a ton of different guys at, at that pick. Uh, I mean, I doubt it's a Julius Sprentz, probably more of a – Maybe a Tyreek Stevenson. I don't know. I keep pushing him. You know, the whole night. All right, I lied. One final question, then we all have to go. What's the draft day shocker? Is it D-Hop? Is it something out of left field? Like, I don't think we saw Hollywood Brown or A.J. Brown yeah. last year. Who's who's the shocking move that's going to be made? Yeah, I guess probably D-Hop to Buffalo. Uh, I know the Ravens were in on him. It sounded like Lamar said, bring me bring me Hopkins and bring me OBJ, both of them. And the Ravens said, well, we can, you know, we can do one. Uh, so they did that, uh, got, you know, got OBJ. Uh, so I think Hopkins has been kind of clear on where he wants to play, you know, either the Chiefs or Bills, but, you know, come on, blow me. Like, it's not up to you. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, everyone would want to see that. And I think the Bills kind of with – I don't think they'll trade 27. I don't think he's worth that. But they've kind of said this class is chalked. Let's just trade it for better players and kind of go now. But – all right. Well, we're excited to see your mock because let's enter it in this puppy. And if we're going to have yeah. you on every year, let's, oh, wait, let's there's get a legit some data competition. Yeah. yeah. And it does average score. And I'm yeah. fucking making one. Are you doing any props? <laughs> I'm making one. I mean, oh, yeah. One last, last question. 
make us some money. What's the best bet on the board? Uh, so I'm, I'm inclined to, I got a bunch written down here. Uh, I was suggesting to people yesterday, uh, Paris Johnson, number three overall to the Cardinals at plus 4,000. Looks like that ship sailed a little bit. I think it was down to plus 700 when I checked. Uh, basically just they've had seven tackles uh, for pre-draft visits out of their 30. Uh, and if they can't trade down and then Kyler Murray, which I don't know what weight he possibly could have in that organization with a new GM, new coach, but he said, draft me an offensive lineman. So we'll see. Okay. I think uh, the good money to be made is uh, Giants first pick corner plus 200, maybe. Uh, Deontay Banks under 20.5. I wouldn't be surprised if he could go in front of Christian Gonzalez. Uh, Lions to take QB first pick plus 1,000 right now. They're a little sneaky. Uh, I think they have interest in Stroud. I also think they don't plan on picking in the top 10 ever again. Uh, and when you kind of have that mentality. I got news for you, Detroit. <laughs> it's not even their pick this year. It's the, it's the Rams pick. I promise you that at some point in the next six years, the Lions will be back in the top 10, whether it's their pick or somebody else's. They haven't won a playoff game in 31 years and they're just, they don't plan on ever picking in the top 10. Come on. Yeah. And then uh, I got, Oh, Hendon hooker over 31 and a half, just to, you know, as a, as a per, you know, gotta, gotta be true to myself. Uh, then these are the ones I kind of like the most Quinton Johnson over 26.5. Uh, Stetson Bennett just to be drafted minus one thirty. I don't know why the books. He's are so... a, he's minus one thirty to get drafted. To get drafted, yeah. I feel like that's a lock. I think I thought so. Too. When I put on my tinfoil, you know, hat originally, I had uh, Josh McDaniels pulling you know the same thing he did in Denver and taking like Stetson Bennett like early round two. They like, <laughs> uh, but Stetson Bennett just to be drafted minus one thirty. Why not? Uh, Anthony Richardson to the Colts plus 500. Lock it in. That seems uh, like a fan this, one, this one's for Eagleson, Miami Dolphins first pick running back plus 600. Oh, I'm taking that. I need let's that. Go. Let's, let's hammer go. that. We're <laughs> hammering Emmanuel, it. Emmanuel Forbes to be a first rounder minus 400. Got to take the free money, you know, when it's there. So. Yeah, just send me a screenshot of all of these. Oh yeah, yeah. and, and I'm a I'm a lock. The, the, yeah, I need to lock those in. Sports. Uh, Discord. We yeah, well, exactly. Josh, as always, we appreciate you coming on and doing the work that we don't have to do. We'll enter you in the mock draft competition. We'll see you in 365 days for whoever the fuck you said was going to be there. That won't be. Um, but we appreciate you giving us uh, some of your time and doing the work for us. No doubt. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Josh. All right, brother. Peace.